Good morning. Come on. Pastor Matt and Pastor Kim are away celebrating their anniversary, and you put Pastor Matt in front of a video, give him some time to talk. It's the equivalent of giving him a microphone. He's got to preach. He's got to say a little something. And so, but we're glad they're able to get away and get some rest and have some fun. And we're glad that you're here with us today. Uh, that you could take some time out of your Sunday to join us. We know there's a number of places you could be on a Sunday morning, especially a beautiful, sunny Sunday morning in Seattle. And so for those of you online, we want to say welcome. Let us know you're joining us uh, in the chats, all that fun stuff. We have some online hosts that connect with you there. And so, but we're looking forward to it. We are in week two of our Passion Fruit series, and we're going to be talking about love today, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, There's a lot of different things uh, we love, a lot of different things that we say we love, and we really use that term and that word love, uh, I would say, in a lot of ways very loosely, and we'll jump into some of that. But before we do that, I want to do a little bit of a recap, um, kind of just touch on what we talked about last week um, to get a little context uh, context is something that we value here. We think it's important uh, to have an understanding. And so when we're looking at Galatians, um, it's important to understand where the church in Galatia was at, right? As Paul was uh, writing, this, writing to this church, a lot of what he wrote and a lot of things he said to them in the book of Galatians uh, is very applicable to us today. Uh, when we look at uh, what he says to them in the different verses, different various things um, that he says, is that we look at it and... Um, the church in Galatia struggled with two things, right? They struggled almost with two extremes. There was legalism and there was license, right? Legalism was this. Legalism was saying it's Jesus plus this and Jesus plus that. It was adding to what Jesus had already done, right? We, we know that Jesus came not to uh, do away with the law, but he came to fulfill the law, right? And so in the church in Galatia, they were saying, okay, yeah, but we got Jesus, but we're adding this to it too. You've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to do that. And it's funny because when we look at our own lives today, how many of us could be, if we're honest, we say, we look that we actually do that in our own lives. Like, yes, I go to church and I do this. It's Jesus and this, it's Jesus, but this, and we got to live this way. We got to do this thing. We got to do that thing. And so what we do is we add to what Jesus has already done. And so it's legalism, and we find ourselves in that. And if we're all being honest, I'll be the first to raise my hand. I know I can do that in my own life. And so the other side, the flip side of that coin is license. And what does that mean? It's that they were taking the grace of God, and they're like, because of the grace of God, we can do whatever we want, right? They just, you know, we can do whatever we want because there's grace, we're forgiven. And there's that extreme too. And sometimes we, we've lived, we live in that and we, we can do like, I can do whatever I want because God's going to forgive me. And we live in this place of license. There's these two extremes. And that's what Paul's really writing to. And so when we look in uh, Galatians 5, and 23, it tells us what the fruits of the spirit are. And Paul's really addressing this. He's talking about living a life that is um, he's talking about living a life that is a follow, that's directed by the Holy Spirit. And it's a central theme, and it, we see this all throughout in Paul's writings, even in Romans. Uh, we see Romans 7, very similar to what we see in Romans, uh, or in Galatians 5. And Galatians 5, 17 says this. It says that the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit lusts against the flesh, and these two are contrary to each other, so that we do not do the things that we wish. Right? So there's this, this inner tension, this inner turmoil that goes on. And then Paul says the same thing in uh, Romans 7. Right? He says, oh, what a wretched man that I am. He says, those things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do do those things. He's like, oh, who can help me? What can I do? What, 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 who can help me? Thank God for Jesus Christ. And thank God for this spirit-filled life that he encourages to walk, um, that we see in Romans 8, and that we see in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 as we dive into the series, talk 
talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And so I think we have it, uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says, but the uh, fruit of the Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against any of these things. Meaning this, that these things are not held to any type of legalistic standard. And so I am going to, there we go. I'm having trouble with my notes here, y'all. There. So that's where we're at. We're looking at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That's a theme of our series. That's a theme of where we're going over the next few weeks. And so um, today we're going to talk about love. And like I said, love is one of those words and one of those terms I think we use, uh, we can use loosely. I'm going to share a little bit about that. Uh, but when we look at the Bible and we look at the word love, um, in, in the New Testament time, there were, in the Greek-speaking world at that time, there were actually three types of, or three different words used for the word love, right? The first was this, or one of them was this, it was eros, right? This is where we get erotic or it's even uh, used in the sense of uh, kind of a sexual love, right? There was eros. There's phileo, right? Uh, that's like that brotherly love. Think of like Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love, phileo, right? And then there's this, the word that we have that we're really going to hone in on. We see this word all throughout the New Testament, and that is the word agape, right? And agape is this. It says to place others above yourself, to esteem and honor a person for who they are, and not what they can do. And so we're gonna take a look at this love because this is the type of love that God has called us to. This is the type of love that needs to be in our lives and in our hearts. This is the type of love that we need to live out towards other people. And it's interesting because that love is a love that we, we express towards others. And so what I wanna do is, um, I don't think it would be appropriate if we talked about love in church, if we did not uh, take a quick glance and a quick reference to 1 Corinthians 13. Um, and so would you all stand with me as you get ready to read uh, 1 Corinthians 13 together? And this is known as the love chapter. And so it's a few verses. So bear with me. You can follow along on the screen. It says this, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but did not love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave up everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. I love this part. Love never gives up. It never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. And Jesus, I pray in the next few moments, God, that you would speak to each one of us where we're at. God, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts and our lives that as we walk out of this place, God, that we would take something away that would cause us to be more like you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to each and every single one of us where we're at today. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Jesus, we love you. We look to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated. 
You know, growing up, um, I was raised by a, I was raised by a single mom and grew up in a, a very large, large apartment complex. Um, if you lived in the rent area and you're familiar with it, I lived in an apartment, called, apartment complex called Royal Hills. Now, it wasn't to be confused with Rolling Hills, which was up on the hill. Um, we were kind of down in the valley. So Rolling Hills was like, that was like the nice houses and all that stuff. Royal Hills was like, um, for that area, that was the... Um, Low-income housing, if you will, that was the place where uh, my friends from school could not come to play at my house because of the area that we lived in. Um, but man, I loved where I grew up. I love Royal Hills because I love every summer we have all these kids, uh, hundreds of kids just running around playing sports, doing all these different things. I love where I grew up. It was so much fun. Um, all my fond memories, all my great memories are from when I grew up uh, as a kid and all the different things that we would do, all the different community events and activities. Uh, my mom would, would rally everybody around and throw and put together with some of the other uh, parents and stuff. And it was, it was awesome. Man. I loved, loved, loved where I grew up. It was amazing. Another thing that I love, um, I love watching football. How many football fans do we have in here? Come on, we can all agree. We have a lot of football fans in here, but we, we divide, though, when we start talking about our teams, right? Well, I have the mic, so I'm going to talk about mine. Um, so I love watching football, but I love watching the Seahawks specifically. I'm a Seahawks fan. I love it. Um, and so, that, you know, it's fair. It's fine. We all, we all have our own beliefs and our own teams that we like, and there's grace for you. Um, you, will, you will see the light at some point. We're praying God will reveal that to you. But I love watching Russell Wilson scramble and make the big plays. Um, I remember the Legion of Boom. I loved watching Cam Chan or make all those big hits. I loved watching football. It was so much fun to watch you get together with friends and family or at, you know, big events and, and watch people. Um, I, I love going to games. Um, it's a different experience, but I'll say this. I actually love going to games probably more in the beginning of the season versus the end of the season because uh, when it's raining and cold, I'm like, I get all the angle shots at my TV anyway. So, um, but I love watching the Seahawks. I love watching football. Another thing that I love, I love, um, I love our, um, I love my family. Um, one of the things that is a, a huge value is all the family trips that we do and the family gatherings. We get together, get all the cousins together. The kids are running around, and I love when we get a bunch of kids together because what happens is, is that it's like stay with the pack. Don't, don't get lost. Just stay with the pack. Y'all be great. You'll be fine. Um, you get these stragglers that run off and like, come on, just stay with the pack. You'll be good. But I love it because it's so much fun, whether it's a vacation, whether it's just getting together for birthdays. I love my family. I love getting together, creating those memories and doing those things and remembering those times. Um, one other thing that uh, I love is, um, so in my family, um, when we talk about these family, family gatherings, my family, we, we really love food. So, like, when we go on a family vacation, um, and it's all about food. We, we don't, all we care about, like, there's two things that are important. Where are we going to stay, and what are the meals going to be, right? The menu is laid out, and, uh, you know, between my wife and her siblings, they all like to cook in different various forms and whatnot, and they enjoy that. Um, I enjoy eating. But one of the things I really enjoy is I love crumble cookie. I love me some crumble cookie, all the different flavors, um, peanut butter, chocolate. That's my jam. Um, and it's got, I got peanut butter cookie, uh, got peanut butter and chocolate together. Um, all that stuff. I love that. I love it. I love it. Like the chilled ones and all the different flavors. I can't do the chocolate chip though, because my wife actually makes a really, really good chocolate chip cookie. And one thing about me, when I go out to eat, I want to go eat something and get something that I can't have at home. So I don't do the chocolate chip cookie at crumble. So if you like chocolate chip, more power to you. That's just not me. But I love me some crumble cookie. And you're like, Bill, why are you sharing all these things? We don't care what you love. I share these things because this, we use this word love, I think in a way that to describe things that aren't necessarily the same way that the Bible is talking about. 
So when I talk about these things, I don't think this is the type of love. I don't think the love of crumble cookies is what Paul is referring to in this agape love. Right? I don't think this is the, the love of my family. That would be more of a phileo love. That wouldn't be like an agape love. But I don't think that's the love he's talking about. The fond memories I have of growing up, that's not the love that I, that I love it. That's not the love that Paul is talking about here in this agape love with the fruit of the Spirit working in our lives. I'm going to read this to you. It says this. It says, love is a central theme in Scripture, in Christian theology, and ethics. It defines our relationship with God and dictates how we should treat others. As we read all throughout Scripture, all we see, but one of the biggest themes we see in the Scripture all throughout Genesis and Revelation is love. God's love for his people. Love, 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 love. You go through it. You read the gospel. I was reading through the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount this, this weekend and just seeing how all the different ways, they all revolved around love. And it was our love and our response to other people. Now, people are interesting right? People can be interesting, right? We look around, there's people from here from all different walks of life, um, all different stories. Um, You get any large group of people together and people can be interesting. And I say interesting, I can be interesting. And really that's just a nice way of saying we all got some quirks, right? We all have some things that that may, that are maybe a little weird, may rub people a little bit the wrong way, or, you know, we all have them. I'll be the first to admit I have them. And if you're like, I don't have any of those, um, there's a good chance you do and nobody's told you. Right, because um, we all we all got them, um, and but that but that is why we need love, and so it's interesting. People are we're interesting people. We're interesting creatures, you know. Um, I've taken a number of these personality tests. I'm sure many of you have as well. Uh, if, you've, if you apply for a job or you go to get a job, some of these jobs will have you do personality tests like a DISC profile or a, a Myers-Briggs. Um, I think the Enneagram is kind of a big one that a lot of people talk about. And it's interesting because uh, what I can appreciate about these personality tests is that they help us, um, they help create a self-awareness of who we are, kind of how we operate, how we tick, things that, um, you know, things that we're really good at, things that we may, we may struggle with, and they even kind of help us know how to interact with other people, right? People that may be like us, people that may be different from us, they have a different personality type. Um, It's interesting, though, because what happens is in these situations is um, you get into a a personality test, and then you define yourself like, well, I'm this. I'm a a two. I'm a five. I'm an eight. I'm a a D. I'm a C. I'm an S. I'm a this. Um, I don't even know what the Myers-Briggs are. There's too many alphabets or too many letters in each one, so, um, but... We, we go and we identify with these things and we almost can, if we're not careful, we put ourselves in this, kind of in this box of that this is how I am and this is how I operate and I can only operate in this way. And what happens is that begins to even overflow in how we love other people. I don't get very, I don't get along very well with threes. I'm going to kind of avoid them. I said that on purpose. No, I'm kidding. I don't get along, I don't get along well with fives or this. And for those of you wondering, I'm a DC on the dish profile and I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So um, I know some of you guys are wondering like, what is he? There you go. Um, but what happens is we, we tend to put ourselves in these boxes and what happens is we will also put other people in these boxes if we're not careful, right? And it's, it's interesting because when we put people in boxes or we put ourselves in a box, we're actually limiting ourselves and limiting who God is inside of us. So while personality tests can be great in help giving us a self-awareness, they're not very good at giving us a God awareness of who he is and who he is inside of each and every single one of us, 
right? Because it's important to know that God has created us very specifically for a purpose, for a reason. The Bible says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he had prepared beforehand. There is a plan and a purpose that God has for each and every single one of us, and God has created us in a unique and special way to live that out. Now how, do we, now, how do we discover kind of the fruits of the Spirit? How do these fruits of the Spirit kind of come out in our lives? How do we love other people? I'm glad you asked. Romans 8, 11 says this. It says, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. I want you to think about that for a second. Think about that. That the Spirit of God lives inside of us. For those of us who have called, that called Jesus Lord, we have surrendered our hearts and we said, yes, I, Lord Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. I confess my sins. And I ask you to come into my heart. His spirit is inside of us. So think about that. Could it be that all you, all, that all you need, God has already kind of placed inside of you. And it's up to us to work it out. Paul talks about working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Right? We learned last week that fruit is not produced in a day, but it's produced daily. Right? So the love, the, the love, this agape love that God has called us to to love other people, it's already inside of us. It's already there. It's up to us to cultivate that and work that out. And how do we do that? We look to Jesus. Right? This is why we do Summer 15. This is why we're doing a Bible reading plan together. This is what, because we want you to walk away. It's, we love coming here, worshiping together, and meeting everybody, and seeing everybody. And there's power here in this corporate setting when we worship together. But let's not mistake, there is much more power, too, when we leave this place, when we get alone with God. And we, we pray, and we read our Bible, and we learn how we can become more and more like Him. Because when we do that, then that begins to work out these fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Then all of a sudden, when we're on the road and we're driving down and all of a sudden traffic's getting worse now, I, when it says love is not irritable, I'm going to tell you right now, that's my struggle. I get irritated very easily. Um, you can ask my kids, they know. Um, God's doing a work in me, right? Um, but you drive down the road, how's this love, how does this love work out? Jesus, help me, <laughs> right? When our knee-jerk response is to, to uh, say hi, with, you know, um, or to yell or to do this or to do these different things. Our knee-jerk response is maybe to do something that might not be so loving. That's how we work that out is when we spend time with Jesus. It causes me, I know for me, it causes me to slow down and to really process and think, um, what would Jesus do? Now, there were these, for those of you who have been a Christian for a number of years, um, back in the, was it the late 90s maybe, um, there were these bracelets that they made and they would give out, right? You could buy them, you could sell them, and it was, it was pretty popular. Um, you know, the little beaded bracelets or whatever they were. And on it, um, it said, W-W-J-D. What would Jesus do? And um, I gotta be honest with you, I never got a bracelet because um, it just wouldn't remind or trigger anything for me. But it's a great question we need to ask ourselves. What would Jesus do? And many times we ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I just, uh, I'm pretty transparent. I'm pretty open. Sometimes the Jesus that I want to be and the Jesus that I want to do is the Jesus that goes in and flips the tables, right? I'm, sometimes I want to channel that Jesus. But Jesus doesn't call us to channel that one. He calls us to channel this other one, this other part of Jesus, this other side of Jesus, where the Spirit works in our life and we're loving people, right? Matthew 5 uh, verses 38 through 41. So important. 
What does he say? What does Jesus say? This is, the, this is the Jesus we need to channel. This is the, the things where Jesus said we need to do this. This is what we need to do. This is how love becomes a part of who we are. This is how that fruit of the Spirit comes out of us. That is love. And when Jesus says, it says, when, when someone slaps you on the, right, on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. What? <laughs> you, if you slap me on the cheek, my knee-jerk response is to lay hands on you suddenly in Jesus' name. Right? <laughs> Not like, I'm not turning the other cheek. If someone sues you and, and, and they want to take your, take, your, um, take your shirt, give them your jacket also. Sue me? Oh, I'm trying to fight to keep my shirt. I ain't trying to give you my jacket, let alone my shirt, right? This is a type of love that Jesus is talking about. This is that agape love that really dictates how we interact and how we connect with other people. Again, so that people may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. It really is about Jesus. Everything we do is, revolves around us loving God and loving people. You look at the Ten Commandments, what is it about? The first half of the commandments are about loving God. The second half are about how we love people. Right? It's so important. That's really what matters. And when we pick up in 1 Corinthians 13, it's interesting because... Um, if you know anything about 1 Corinthians, it's a letter. I don't know if I said this right, but it's a letter back and forth, right? And so they've been asking about these spiritual gifts. And just like today, right? Um, then for, at that point in time, it was, you know, they're asking about uh, prophecy and tongues, and those are the forefront gifts, right? Um, we would be asking about, like, hey, how do, I, how, do, how do I lead worship like Stu? Or how do I, how do I get up on the mic and preach? And I'm like, well, you're, you're missing the point. If you don't love people, that doesn't matter. Right? It doesn't matter how well Stu can sing if Stu doesn't love people. Now, Pastor Stu loves people. Don't get me wrong. We love people. But that's what they're asking about. And so you have Paul answering this question about gifts, and right smack dab in the middle. It's almost like a sandwich, right? You know, we do those compliment sandwiches. You're like, ah, this, this is this. You're good at this. Work on this. And you're great at this, right? We do those compliment sandwiches. That's kind of what this is. He's talking about here's the gifts, but it doesn't matter if you don't love, and here's some more gifts right? Love has to be at the central, at the heart of who we are. It has to be at the heart of why we interact with people and what we do day in and day out. We have to love people. And so this leads me to my, um, my first point. Um, I only got two. So my first point is this, love is a decision. It's a choice and it's a decision. Um, I've, done a few, I've done a few weddings um, in my day and uh, this is one of the main conversations I have with, with people who are getting married is remind that love is a decision, right? You, there's, the, there's the fun part of a ceremony. You're all dressed up. You look great and everything's all fun and you go on your honeymoon and everything's great. But then a couple months later, all that, you know, all the glitz and the glamour are gone and you've got everyday life and bills and everything else really hits, Right? Love is a choice and a decision that you have to make day in and day out. And I say that, and I, as I say that, I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy, but we have to make a choice and a decision every day. I'm going to love that my first response is going to be love. And whether it's, um, and a lot of times we see, as we read in, uh, as we saw in Matthew 5, sometimes that love is kind of taking the back seat. It's taking the back seat a little bit. It's not about my rights. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying we should let, let people mistreat us and abuse us. and all that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying the way we respond in situations is that we respond in a way that is loving towards other people. 
That is loving. And don't get me wrong by saying loving doesn't mean we don't stand up for ourselves. We don't say what we need to say because there's, there's truth in that, right? Again, love rejoices in truth, right? Jesus says we, when we speak the truth, we need to speak the truth in love. And so we can, we, can, we can stand up for ourselves. We can speak up for ourselves. But it has to be done in a way that exudes love. And each and every day we get up, we have a choice and a decision. We can choose love or we can choose violence, I'm going to be honest, there are some mornings I wake up and I just want to choose violence. <laughs> I wake up, I walk downstairs and make my coffee, and my kids made a mess in the kitchen. And I'm like, oh, y'all testimony. The love is patient. Love is patient. I'm going to go back upstairs and try this again. Um, but we have to make that decision each and every day. That love is a choice, is a decision. Again, it's not easy. It's not easy. But that's why we rely on Jesus. That's why we rely on the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and working in our lives because we can't do it on our own. If we do it on our own, we're gonna burn out, we're gonna get tired, and we're gonna snap. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest, we're gonna snap. And we've all been there at times. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Ah! Right? We need Jesus. And that's where his grace kicks in. Right? Here at Church for All, we embrace grace. We embrace grace. And a lot of times we think uh, grace is for other people. No, 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 I need grace. I need the grace of my life because this person is testing my patience. Jesus, I need your grace. I need it. Bring it. And so my second point is this. Is, um, I thought about saying love is a verb, uh, but then I started seeing songs that, you know, where love is a verb. And then I, I, I was never a DC Talk fan. If anybody knows DC Talk and there's a whole rap song, love is a verb. I heard it and I said, I can't even, I can't even make that my point. I can't. There can't be love is a verb, um, even though love is a verb. But uh, love gives. Love gives. When we think about it, love gives. In every aspect, we're giving. In every aspect, we're giving. How do you know if you're loving? Are you giving? Are you giving? Someone slaps you on your right cheek, give the other to them also. Someone sees you take your shirt, give them your coat also. The soldier, soldier asks you to go with him one mile, give him another mile. We give. Love gives. And here's the difference, and we talked about this a little bit, like the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary so that we don't do what we wish. One way to gauge that is um, we know that lust takes where love gives. That's a good indicator of us and asking that question and engaging even our own actions. Are we taking or are we giving? Many times if we find ourselves taking, we're probably not in a place where we're loving. So let's be giving of ourselves. Let's be giving of our resources. Let's be giving of our time. Let's be giving of our energy and our effort. And why? Because we want people to see the God in us because ultimately we want people to see Jesus, right? We want people to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's really the point, right? That God has created in us and we are his workmanship to do good works, which he had prepared beforehand, mind you, before any of us were here, that they may see our good works and that he would be glorified, that he would be glorified. And so um, I just want to close with a couple of thoughts so you have the keys come up. Um, just a couple of verses that really jump out. First John 4.20. And this helps because sometimes people, like I said, people can be hard to love. Um, people can be hard to get along with. Um, you ask my wife and she'll say, I can be difficult at times. I don't know, but... I don't think so, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, 1 John 4.20 says this. 
says, how can we say we love God who we can't see if we can't, if we, and we, but we say we hate our brother who we do see? How can you love somebody you can't see and yet love and hate somebody you do see? And let me remind it, let me throw this out as a reminder for all of us. Each and every single person, regardless of how interesting we are, were created in the image and likeness of God. And so anytime we just we determine that we want to devalue somebody, not treat somebody right, we in essence are not treating people and we're devaluing the God in them because God has created them and made them for a purpose and a reason. And there is something inside of them that God is working both to will and to do according to his good pleasure in them just as much as he is in me. And I am confident of this, Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you and each and every single person we come in contact will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for who you are. And this morning, God, we just come to you Father, with open hearts. And God, I just pray right now that you would empower us by your spirit to walk out of this place with a renewed sense and a renewed, uh, a renewed sense of urgency to display love to all we come in contact with. God, this is not something that we can do on our own. This is not something that um, we're able to muster up or willpower our way through. Jesus, we need you as we need you in every area and every aspect of our life, we need you. And I just wanna take a moment right now to pray. Um, with eyes, eyes closed, heads bowed, all that. Um, I really felt that as I was preparing for this message. Galatians 5, 7 says this. It says, you ran well, but who has hindered you from following the truth? You ran well, but who has hindered you from following the truth? And I just believe that there are some people in this room and there may even be some people online that you've been running well, but you're just tired. The events and the things over the last 12, 15 months, whether it be political stances, whether it be uh, what you think or how you view things about COVID and, and all these different things, anything that you could think of over the last 12, 15 months that would have divided us as a people, you've ran well, but over the time you have struggled I just want to pray for you today. Not that, not that anything's wrong, but just I need Jesus, I need you. I need a renewed sense of you and your spirit in my life. If that's you, just we just lift your hands up this morning. I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. Pray for all of us. And I'll be I'm the first to my hands lifted, because that's me. That's me. I'm tired. God, I need you. So Father, I pray right now for all of us with our hands lifted up. God, I pray right now, God, that you would move in each heart. Father, right now that you feel a sensing of your presence even stronger. Holy Spirit, speak to them. Holy Spirit, draw them in. And God, I pray that as they go home today, as they go about their day, God, that in the stillness and the quietness, when they lay their head down on the pillow, God, that you would speak to them. Give them a renewed and a refreshing sense of your presence. Father, we love you. And we give you all the glory and all the honor today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.